Hello and welcome to The Huddle. I'm Liam Santamaria and we're underway. The preseason coaches series, Adam Ford, John Rilly in the books. Today, the reigning coach of the year, the king of Tasmania, Scott Roth. So sit back, relax. Up next, Scott Roth. Coach, how's it going? Good to see you, mate. Everything's great. Um, rejuvenated and happy to be back in Tasmania. I got back about three weeks ago and I'm super excited for the season. It's a uh, Sunday in Hobart. It's uh, Salamanca Market, I think, is Saturday. Saturday. What happens on a Sunday in Hobart? I go to my favorite place every morning, retro down there in Salamanca, and get my uh, ice mocha and uh, start my day that way. And um, it's Sunday here. I'm in the office doing some work uh, to get ready for the week coming up. And it's not just any Sunday, mate. It's a big one. Your wife's on the yeah. way. She's going to be here soon. Yeah. So obviously, you know, it's been obviously well documented the, the last two years of how everything's gone. And so uh, she'll be landing today, this afternoon. And uh, it's exciting because she'll be here for the next five months. And my daughter will come in at Christmas time for um, the holidays. So, yeah, my world's all back together, which is uh, great for me as a, for mentally uh, going forward. And my wife's excited to get back into town. She loves a Hobart and um, yeah, it's going to be a great day. That's awesome, man. I'm happy for you. Um, one, of the, one of the things I love on uh, all year round now, during the off season, during the in season, whenever I mess you, I say, hey coach, what's happening? It takes about 15 seconds. I get a selfie back of you with a, with a cigar. It's kind of strange seeing you right now without one. Is it too early to light one up? No, uh, normally I'd be honest with you. I probably would have one by now or I'd been out having a coffee if I was at home and but the problem is the cost of cigars in, in Australia are quite expensive. So I got to pace myself and, you know, have the imports come in with five each and my wife's coming in with five. And so I'm always kind of working the system a little bit to try to get them in here um, at a reasonable cost. But I got to pace myself. But um, I usually have them in the evenings. But if I was at home, I definitely have one in the morning. Five, five boxes. <laughs> I wish I wish <laughs> this five cigars just enough to get me through a week. Cubans for you, right? No, I'm actually a Nicaraguan guy. I'm a, I love the Nicaraguan cigars. I have a, um, actually in Miami where we're living now is a, is a Jaime Garcia and I smoked in my father's down there. And actually when we used to play the Miami Heat, uh, they would call me for my tickets and I would swap my tickets uh, to Jaime Garcia for his cigars um, and kind of got a few boxes every time we went down to play the Heat when I was in the NBA. So it was nice. Nice. Um, it's one of my favorite moments of, of last season. It was... It was right before you guys started the, the semi-final series with yeah. Melbourne United. We caught up, we went to the cigar store in Melbourne yeah. and then we went to the Docklands and we, and we shared one and we just talked life and basketball yeah. and everything. And then right after that, you guys did something amazing. Now making the finals was an enormous accomplishment, but then you did what you did in the semi-finals. It's preseason. We're going to talk about the upcoming season in a minute, but let's just go back there. Yeah. I think what everyone will remember from... The inaugural season of Tassie outside of your playing group was the Josh Adams shot in the corner. Up yeah. three, a tick over a minute to go in game three, and he knocks that incredible shot down. But when you think about that whole season, what will be the moment that you remember in 20 years' time? Holy smokes. There's so much stuff that happened that year. And, you know, I guess obviously the first win was the biggest thing of just the event of having that season there and the, the quick... Um, turnaround to have the season and there are cats going getting this building done, which no one thought it could get done. And 
just the momentum to try to get to that first game and then navigate COVID. Um, and then win that game in overtime um, was just a ridiculous start to everything. And then, you know, uh, we went two and six, but then the next uh, amount of games we went 15 and five and, and the belief and the culture uh, just took off. And there's just so many pivotal moments there. But I do think the Adelaide game at home, when we were two and six and we knew we were close about at least playing well and winning some games, uh, we won that game a little bit coming from behind at home. I think that's when I had my emotional kind of uh, streamathon. Um, I think that was a game to just put us over the hump a little bit and knew that uh, we just keep working. Uh, it's going to be there for us. The fans are behind us. And uh, it just had built momentum from there. I think we went on to win four more and went into United and won. And uh, Magna gets hurt and everyone writes us off. And and the, and the, and the ship just keeps sailing. And uh, guys just keep filling in. And, and the belief just kept going. And um, it was an amazing, amazing ride, obviously. You've described it as in, like that, but you've, you've said it was like being a movie. You said it was like, it was like being inside Hoosiers. Now there's an old saying that says lightning doesn't strike in the same place twice, yeah. which is factually incorrect, but it, it's, it's a saying that's been around for a long time. How do you get lightning to strike in Tasmania again, second year in a row? Yeah, I mean, everyone's asking a question, you know, what next year? And the reality is, and then we're trying to deal with the reality is uh, every season is a new journey, irregardless of where you're finishing. There's injuries, there's navigational things you're going to have to go through from, from um, you know, flights being canceled, injuries. These things are going to happen in the season. And, you know, last year was relatively smooth for us. Magnet was a big injury, but we haven't got hit in the mouth yet. So we haven't had a lot of experience of um, really just being knocked around a little bit. And for me, uh, the reality is 34 games in the existence of the franchise. Um, we finished fifth, and then all of a sudden, in six or seven seconds, we finished fourth. And so, you know, reality is maybe we were fifth. We had a great year. We won 17 games. There's no question about it. But the things that we're focusing on for us to move forward is we're flipping the page. Uh, last year's over with. It's a new journey. And there's a lot of things internally that we can fix. I think we're probably 30 or 40 percent of everything uh, that I liked last year. And there's another 60 or 60 percent of stuff that we can fix and get better at. And a lot of it might not be seen on the court. It's internal communications with our staffs, our front office working better. I'm working better with my groups, uh, scheduling our practices better, managing our time better, managing our travel better. All this stuff was new to us. And so there's going to be some things that no one's going to see that we feel like we're improving on. It might not re reflect so much on the court, but this is 34 games only. And the growth of this um, has to be, you know, um, realized that it's, it's just an infancy of what we're doing here. And again, I've said all along, the number one thing was to get high character guys, humble guys, and most importantly, build a culture that is sustainable, that we're not the first place team and we're not the 10th place team every other year or every four years that we're, we're, we're moving in a, in a pattern that's always competing, always steady. And yeah, we have a little rise, maybe a little, maybe a little drop, but we're never just on this roller coaster ride. And I think your culture does that for you. It drives your sustainability. It allows you to go reflect on your values when things aren't going well. And it allows players to really come in and impact that. And so um, as long as we're driving that and going through our process, which um, as you know, I'm very much a process guy, We'll just see what the year unfolds again. Uh, again, I always say, why not us? Why, why can't we do it again? Why? There, there is no reason other than, yeah, we'll have obstacles. And are we going to be good enough to navigate them? You talk about the culture there. 
and the process. I know you're a guy, you're, you've spoken about how you're a what, the next day guy. Yeah. Like, what do we do today and tomorrow? And it will all, all add up. Um, so with that in mind, the, the first kind of week or so of practice with, with the new imports and everybody on deck, how has that been and what's that look like? Yeah, it's been great. You know, we've been basically going for about two weeks since I've got back. We've had about six to seven guys on court. And then this week was our first week to have uh, about 15 guys on court with our imports in. Uh, the good news is they came in outstanding shape. And um, one of the things obviously was for me, it was important that, that we had a core group of guys coming back. And so the process has been very, very quick uh, for us to pick up things from last year. Uh, we're going to improve on some things and, and tweak some things, but these guys are very locked in. They're excited to get going again. That they, they really love each other. They love the bond they have. And, and the two new imports coming in have fit in seamlessly. Uh, they're ready to go and up and running. Um, and it's been a good, good week for us. You know, our first official practice was Thursday at uh, Willie Smith's uh, Apple Shed and down at Bulk Nutrition uh, Nutri Nutrients. And we went out there and, and we, we just killed the day of working with the people of Tasmania hand in hand and, and getting to know what it means to be Tasmanian. And, and that was our first day of practice Thursday. And then Friday, we did the yo-yo test and got them conditioned and, and um, it's all happening. So it's a quick turnaround. Um, our guys are excited. And uh, you know we got to navigate some injuries with Clint Steino, obviously, and then a magnate situation. And McVeigh, this is his first week coming up of some contact, and he's probably six or seven days away from full contact. So we didn't have those issues last year. It was two months of preseason, everyone tracking at the same speed. Mm. This year, it's been different. We've got guys in and out of the lineup, uh, guys coming back on the boomers, uh, guys flying in. It's a little bit different process this year, and, and we'll see how it goes. I love that, what you do in the at, at Willie Smith's and at Bulk Nutri Nutrients. I love that as part of the culture piece. And, you know, like everybody this offseason has been looking at what you did last year. You know, I spoke to Adam Ford the other day. He's saying, I, I want I want to take a page out of Scott Ross's book. I want guys that are humble and hungry. You yeah. know, players in the teams in the in the offseason were looking at the kind of players that you got. Saying, I need some I need some hard workers, you know, and started just thinking, are we are we prioritizing talent over that element of what we could bring in. Uh, but the other thing that you, you did remarkably well last season, I, I had someone, a coach, an opposing coach early in the off season say what Scott did defensively last season with that team was one of the greatest defensive coaching performances I've seen in a very, very long time. Has, apart from the yo-yo test and getting in the orchid yeah. on the court, is it all defense again right now? Yeah, our first practice was all defense, and uh, our offense will be ahead of last year, which was behind last year. And again, um, if you just go back through the history of the league, especially the last four or five years, the teams that are the best defensive teams and can be in the top four defensively, they got the best chance to get to the finals. This past year, all four teams that were the best teams defensively were in the finals. And there's always an outlier, but that has to be your MO. For me, at least it is. That's just my nature. Yeah, I love scoring and high flying and all that. I'd love to do that and have a great defense. But for down here, again, um, what does it mean to be a jack jumper? What, what, what does that entail? And I think that's what I'm trying to build on here. When you think of Miami Heat, what do you think of? You think of nasty, tough guys down there, Pat Riley, grinding away, getting after you. I want the same thing here. When you think of the jack jumpers, you're going to think this is a defensive team that's going to come and attack you. They got tough guys that know the responsibilities. You're going to have to beat them um, and you're going to have to play well to do that. And so that's what I'm trying to really build down here is 
an identity that can resonate throughout Australia that when kids grow up or when you think about the jack jumpers, you think this. And it's the same thing in Perth. When you think of Perth, you think of tradition, winning, playoffs, 35 straight years. It's just there. I don't know how many teams actually have that identity in the NBL. I think there's a few. I want to be one of the ones that when people think about coming to play for the jack jumpers, they know X, Y, and Z. You're going to have to play defense. You're going to have to be tough-minded. There is no down here. It's accountability and, and sacrifice. And check your ego at the door. And let's see if we can do this together. Well, you're only going to have, you know, really two key guys coming in that weren't there last season as part of that, right? Now, you've got also Tristan Forsyth and some DPs and the like, but it's really Milton Dole and Rashad Kelly that are coming into that mix. What have you seen from them in this first little bit? Well, the first thing is they're, they're in really good shape, which is fantastic. Milt actually just got married about three weeks ago. So uh, he's in here with his family and his two kids. And again, this is a family club. we got a lot of players here with young kids now. And Clint Steinle's wife's about to ready to have a baby. Uh, Kayla, uh, Josh Majet's wife is coming back to Tasmania to have her baby in December. So this is a family-oriented, obviously, team. And, and so Milt fits right in with his family coming in here. He's quiet. Yeah, he's just a he's just a pro. He's very quiet. You know, I think sometimes his body language throws people off because he's just kind of just steady, um, super smart, uh, can really handle the ball and pass it and unselfish and a very good defender. And then Rashad is, um, I think, going to surprise a lot of people because he's just another big kind of versatile player that can play the three, the four. I'll put him at the five. We'll play small, skilled, uh, very athletic. Um and I think he'll be a surprise. And again, for me, you know, uh, you mentioned it up there. You know, I love to get the, the greatest players that are around that are available to bring them in here. But there's only certain kind of people, in my opinion, that fit in Tasmania and fit in this culture and fit in living in Tasmania. It's not for everyone. It's a hell of a place to live. It's very family oriented, but it's very blue collar. And you got to have some guys that have some grit and grind and want to come down here. And um, I'm not looking for the greatest players. I'm looking for what's going to fit for us and then drive that. And um, we're going to play, you know, 11 guys and we'll be pressing up the floor and, and these guys fit right into that mode and we'll share the ball and we'll see what happens. You use the word fit about three or four times there. The yeah. fit with you in Tasmania. Is yeah. such a beautiful thing. You said recently, you've said it a lot of times. Reese, I heard it most recently on podcast with Chris Oliver, basketball podcast. You said, it's taken me 58 years to find my sweet spot, yeah. to find Tasmania. True. What do you mean by that? Well, I think, you know, you go on this journey and, and it's not always going to be smooth. And mine has not been smooth. It's been, you know, a lot of humble pie, a lot of people saying you can't. Uh, when I was a player, they said, you'd never be in the NBA. You're too slow. You're too white. You're not big enough. You're not small enough. You're fat, whatever it may be. They come up with every excuse of why you can't do something. And sometimes they're right. And sometimes they're not. And you get knocked around. And I go through that process with my career. It's not a smooth one. I go from Turkey to Albany patroons to the NBA to back to Europe. Uh, so I've been everywhere. And the coaching thing, uh, ended up being kind of the same thing. I'm, I'm with Don Nelson. I'm in Dominican Republic. I'm in Canada. I'm in China. I'm back with the Grizzlies. I'm in Vancouver. I'm in Toronto. And I'm not sticking anywhere for very long. I'm there for two and three years. But I, I feel like I'm just on this roller coaster ride and it's not really me. And I'm just waiting to see if, will, will I get my chance? Will I really have an opportunity to do something? And when you coach a G League team, it's a, it's a hell of an experience. It's not your team. It's run by the front office. It's controlled by the front office. 
and they do their thing up there and you're, you're learning. Um, until you can step out and really feel that. And I did that in Seville, in Spain with Porzingis. Uh, you, get beat, you get beat up. You know, people are attacking you. They don't, they don't necessarily like you, especially when you have a foreigner coming into their own areas that they think their jobs deserve to be by a foreigner. So my journey has been rough, um, but I wouldn't share it in for the world. And then when I got to Perth, I felt very much at home being in Australia, just in general. Uh, but when I took this job, I was very sensitive in the first three months to make sure I wasn't going to come across as this egomaniac American that thinks he knows everything. And I was very, very uh, aware of what was driving Australian sports and the culture. And I was reading that while I was in Perth. And when I got down here, the people just, you know, open arms, my family and my, my wife and um, what I went through. And, and like I said, it took 58 years for me to just breathe and be myself and find my sweet spot. And um, I didn't give up. You know, I could have many times just pivoted and said enough of this. I'm just going to do something else. And I had an exit plan from the NBA. I just had enough of that. It was just not my thing anymore. And I, I in that podcast, I mentioned my, my point guard, Eric Musselman, who's a coach at the University of Arkansas, who kind of went through the similar thing. But he was at the mountaintop in the NBA and came crashing down and two years couldn't find a job. And took a lonely assistant job at Arizona State. And next thing you know, he's now at Arkansas building a, an empire down there. So um, this place has been very special to me. And you know, I don't know how long I'll stay here, hopefully for a, quite a while. But when I leave, I'm going to leave a part of myself here. And, and that's not always the case when you get the coach. One of the things you said there was people always find things to pick on and, and pick at and yeah. to disbelieve. Uh, you've got the quote right there behind you from Theodore yeah. Roosevelt yeah. about the critics, but about the hard work in response. Yeah. The NBL posted some uh, preseason, way too early preseason predictions a couple of days ago. I got 10 people together, 10 knuckleheads who have yeah. no idea. I don't know yeah. <laughs> who, who was involved in that. Only one of all 10 had the jack jumpers in the top six yeah. for this upcoming season. After what you did last season, Jenny Scream sure. was that person you feel disrespected? I don't even know that happened, first of all, until you just said it. And two, I could care less because last year they picked us obviously 10th. And, and listen, there's going to be a lot of good teams. New Zealand's going to be fantastic because they're going to win X amount of games just because they're at home. Um, and all these other teams are reloaded. So um, again, um, that's fine. We don't believe that down here. We're going to play hard. We're going to push people to the limits and we'll just see what happens. And, you know, you, again, you're going to have to navigate stuff and, We've only played 34 games in the history of this franchise. I think people got to wrap their head around where we're at. And maybe that's some of the reason why they're not picking us, thinking that we're a one-hit wonder. That's fine. But again, you know, this island is made of underdogs and people with chips on their shoulder. And my number one goal was to come out and just be nasty and, and play as hard as we can and, and represent this place. And like I said, we'll, we'll go through the process and where we'll be, we'll be. And um I know we have great competitors. I know we got great players that play their roles better than anyone in the league. And we'll see how it goes. When I saw that, I thought, you know what? <laughs> I think Taswegians would like, that feels right. You know, like yeah. I think they'd be confused if they were getting love from the mainland. Yeah. I, I like to know my whole career has been picked. You're never going to do this, that, or whatever. And again, this place fits me um, of just the nature of the people that are here and the slight disrespect that you kind of always kind of get in a nice way. And it's sports and I get it. And they can pick us 10th, they can pick us 11th. 
<laughs> really at the end of the day we're going to do the work we're going to put in the work we're going to win the day and then we'll get to our game and we'll see what happens all right speaking of putting in the work you've got a team that 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 does that um jack mcveigh took a bit of a leap last season him some someone else so who should we keep be keeping an eye on coming into this season who who might surprise um that's a good question i think I'm expecting a much better year from Josh Majette in general. Um, I thought he was good for us. Don't get me wrong. Last year, I mean, he's uh, one of the number one guys, if not the number one guy in my eyes, to sign last year. He was the guy for me because mm -hmm. he's an orchestrator. He's he's the accountant for us. And guys love playing for, for him and through him. Mm. And I, he was hugely, hugely important. He was, to me, the number one signing. That's just me as a coach just because it's hard to find a point guard, especially an in-point point guard that can rally a team and love each other and be around it. He's all in. So uh, I think he'll be a little bit better in general. Matt Kenyon has been very impressive uh, with us so far. Uh, not that he's going to score a bunch of points, but just his aggressiveness and comfortability this year has been good. Um, Sam McDaniels also has been very good. So listen, we got really good players, not stars. I'm not, going to slight anyone we don't have stars we just have good players that know their roles play their roles and when the one guy isn't the next guy steps in and um mcveigh i'm listening looking forward to having another good year and build off what he did and um i don't think anyone's really really jumped ahead of anyone other than they're all just really in good spots and they're very comfortable with what we're doing here even though i make them uncomfortable every day uh, i mentioned i can't remember who i was chatting with about this the other day uh, in a recent episode. I'm a huge John Wooden fan. Yeah, I see. That's my guy, right? Yeah. yeah. And and when you talk like that, it feels like I'm talking with John Wooden because he would always say, I'm not looking for, I don't want great. Yeah. I don't need you to be great no. because if I'm searching for great, sometimes I'm going to get what's down the other end. Yeah. Just give me really good yeah. every day at yeah. practice, every game. And I know we all know what we're going to get. Yeah, I, I say it every day before every single game. You can ask my guys before every game they walk on the floor. I tell them one thing. I do not need great today. I just need good or average. And I can't have anyone pull the parachute. That's all I need. And that'll be enough for us to get to the fourth quarter to win a game. But I can't have the roller coaster ride. And I can't have guys just, it's not my night and they bail on you. And that again is crap culture, crap uh, mentality. Um, not what I'm about. The players know that. Um, there are going to have some days when they're just not that good, but that's all I tell them. I just need good. I just need average. I just need you to be yourself and nothing more. Don't don't think outside the box. If you happen to be great one night, great. Hey, I'll take it. Yeah. So that, I say, I, I tell them, I told them that 34 straight times before they walked on the floor. There's a little bit of Jimmy Valvano sprinkled in that as well. You know, like just, let's just be in a position to win at the end of the game and we'll find a way to win. That's all we were trying to do is, you know, one of the things with the defense was for me, it travels everywhere you go. You have it with you. It's just to choose, do you want to do it or not? And uh, my whole thing was, if we have a good enough defense, when we're not playing offense very well and we're able to linger around in the fourth quarter just because our defense has been stable enough to get us there, then maybe it's those three or four possessions that just push us over the hump. And we had many games like that where we got down to those mid-fourth quarters, back and forth a little bit. Our defense was solid, and we just had a way to find out how to win uh, or make a shot or make a play. And, and that's all, to me, you're trying to do defensively, especially on the road. 
And the remarkable thing is you did a lot of that without Will Magne, who yeah. is an elite defensive presence and rim protector. What, what's the update on where he's at? Yeah, so he just, um, um, I don't know what the actual terms are, but he just got another kind of a silicone, some type of injection across the knee there. He's just got a just a nasty injury there with the with a, a bone bruise really underneath the kneecap. And um, that kneecap going back and forth over the top has been irritant. And um, so we took a step back and uh, he just had this procedure done last week and he's walking around, he's fine. And, and then it just be a matter of ramping him up and see where his comfortability level is. But, you know, we are concerned, not necessarily just for us being selfish, but just for his long-term future of playing, you know, he's obviously yeah. hurt for the last two years and yeah. this is a critical uh, year for him. And, and it's really about getting his health back uh, first and then, you know, seeing if he can get back on the floor and be effective. So, uh, we're hopeful. Uh, we're rallying around him. Our staff's been great. He's been in a really good spot with our group. He loves our group. And I think that's helped him. And we'll see how it goes here in the next two or three weeks. So there's, there's no timeline. I mean, this is... There is no timeline on him uh, other than whenever he feels good enough uh, to really start going and jumping and moving. Right now, you know, he's doing indies and that kind of stuff, but not a lot of explosive things. Mm -hmm. And I think it's they said it takes two to three weeks for this silicone to kind of start to do what it's supposed to do. And then at that point, we'll kind of see where we're at. All right. Hey, uh, one of the things I love about you is uh, you, the, your humility and your uh, focus on deflecting the, um, the praise. And you give that to your players all the time and the work they do, but yeah. you also give it to your assistant coaches. You know, you, whenever you get the chance, you talk about Jacob Chance, yeah. you talk about Jack Fleming, you talk about Mark Radford. One guy you also mentioned, but I don't think we've dug into deep enough is Mika Vakona. Yeah, my Fijian brother. What kind of an impact has he had behind the scenes at the Jack Jumpers? You know, he's he's been huge, obviously. Um, you know, in his role that he has with us, he kind of comes and goes during the weeks and then there's moments where he's traveling with us a little bit more. But really, uh, for me personally, he is a brother. You know, uh, like I, I think I said the story, you know, uh, people were trying to hire him and he just wouldn't go for anything. And uh, I talked to him in three minutes and in three minutes uh, he said, yes, and I'm in. And from that point on, we've had a great bond and he's been a great sounding board for me and a brother, you know, of being around here. And that's how I look at him. And then with our players, uh, he's just really good at just touch points with them and keeping them fresh and, and helping them talk through frustrations or moments of doubt or whatever it may be. He's doing that all through the weeks of just being around these guys. And then when he's in market, you know, everyone's rallying around him and wanting to be with him. And it's, it's just great. He's just the perfect, um, um, perfect person for the role that I, I, I saw in him. And he's, he's probably the Luke Longley of Sydney kind of thing. It's, mm -hmm. I think you need those guys on your roster where people really respect. And the big thing with him is, you know, he's a culture builder. He's been in a culture that's one. He understands what it means when he was in New Zealand and had those great teams and he's driven by that. And, um, he's very humble and, and just a big teddy bear at the end of the day, but he does have a nasty side to him that everyone knows about. And, and um, he's just a great sounding board for all of us, our front office, everyone. All, all the players have his number. They, they, they drop him a line yeah. and have a chat. Yeah, he actually is on them more than, you know, than, you know, I expected him to be, to be honest with you. I just wanted them to touch him once a week and he's always in contact with them, always sending me updates. Um, and, you know, the other thing is, like I said, I've said this so many times, I'm not real smart but I know a few things and I know uh, what I do really well. 
And my assistant coaches to me are as good as anyone that I've ever been around anywhere I've been. Uh, they're great developers of players. Um, they, they're just sharp. Like I said, Jacob Chance, like a son to me, I hope he's going to get a coaching job here uh, very soon. He deserves a head coaching job to start his experience. That would be one of my greatest pleasures ever um, to have someone like him take him from Perth, take a risk, come here and catapult him into uh, stardom, which I think is around the corner for him. And then I got the guru of Tasmania and Mark Radford, who's as, as good as anyone here and has the great feel for the state and a great teacher. And I got a young star in Jack Fleming from Melbourne, who I think went under the radar and he is a monster. Uh, he's done some great stuff this week for us, uh, set up our DP trials, another great teacher, but super smart. And um, yeah, I'm, 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 I'll, I'll give myself credit in one thing. I found really good people around me. Um, so I'll take credit for that. Um, hey, final question, because yeah. uh, I know it's a big day. That you, your wife's coming yeah. in. You told yeah. me before we got started, you said, Liam, let's get started. I got ish to do. <laughs> so last question. I asked you about, about, I asked you this around this time last year, but it, it, this is something that moves sometimes from year to year. What, what does success look like for the Jack Jumpers this season for you? Yeah, I think it's just uh, sustainability and progressing and um, us being competitive and not uh, taking too many steps backwards. Um, I, again, I want something that's going to be steady and growing. I don't want to go on this roller coaster ride. You know, we're very, very lucky that we got to the grand finals. There's teams that have been in this league six, seven years and, and have not even sniffed the finals or the grand finals. And we did it in the first existence of this franchise. So we have to be very aware of that, but we got to turn the page. We got to move on. We got to reload and we got to get our aggression back. And um, the biggest thing that I've uh, done since I've been back is make sure that we are not complacent, that this is not going to be just another year. Uh, people are going to come after us. Uh, they're going to attack us. They're going to know what to expect. And we have to be on point with our game and making sure that we're defending this island and making Tasmanians proud. Awesome, man. Good luck with it. Appreciate it. Thanks for the chat.